When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and it's official. Daniel Ricciardo is out of McLaren for 2023, paving the way for Oscar Piastri to take his place. But why hasn't his replacement been officially announced? And how did a partnership that should have been so successful turn out so underwhelming? I'm Ed Straw, and joining us to answer those questions and more is Scott mitchell Mound. Well, there's some big news to dissect in this podcast. First and foremost, that of your name. So please explain your rebrand. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, just for those that uh, obviously will only hear the final version of this, uh, it took you four attempts to get the new name right after a little bit of practice just before as I should, well. I should say it was just the precise cadence of it. I get the name because it's relatively simple, but I, I wanted <laughs> to respect your new identity. I appreciate that, yeah. So, uh, no, I, got, I spent my uh, F1 summer break wisely or uh, foolishly depending on your 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 position on this uh getting married and uh my partner sarah and i have uh, combined our names in, into into one new name so yeah i am now scott mitchell malm excellent good little swedish twang there now we've got that out of the way at least we can get on with the matter at hand so daniel ricardo he's out of mclaren he was of course under contract for 2023 with the only break mechanisms on his side rather than the team's so what exactly has happened? It is broadly what we have been expecting for, for quite a while now. So I think a m- matter of months, really, not even weeks at this point. Um, the fact that there was the option to leave on Ricardo's side, I mean, that was more just uh, like if someone's going to just say, no, this isn't going to happen for next year and that's it, clean break. It was only going to be on Daniel's side. But I think we knew that it was very, very unlikely he was ever going to just volunteer to to walk away. And he made it clear, didn't he, I think in early July, that he wasn't going to just walk away. He still has the fire. And he's saying that now, still very, very, very motivated to continue in in Formula One. And that was a very, very clear statement of setting out his stall with regards to these likely negotiations, wasn't it? We said that at the time, it was very obvious. Yeah, it was basically him saying, well, I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to give you the easy way out here. So if you want me to go, here you go then. We we need to have a, a conversation. You need to make it worth my while. That is ex- almost exactly what I said, I think, over a month ago. Um, and that's, that's what's come to pass. So Ricardo was told by McLaren that he, he didn't factor into the team's ideal plan for 2023, um and therefore the team wanted to negotiate his exit he has accepted that with certain conditions and those conditions will be that McLaren needs to pay him and they're not going into detail on what exactly has been agreed but it would be very very likely that as it stands Ricardo doesn't have a drive for 2023 and will be paid I suspect the the, the fullness of his owed 2023 McLaren salary but then whatever deal he does for 23 providing he stays on the grid Whatever salary he agrees with that team, I suspect McLaren will then only be paying the difference. So let's say he's on around twenty million pounds now. If he goes and does a deal with Alpine or Williams or Haas and, and earns ten million there, then McLaren will be paying him 
the difference. That is broadly how I I expect this this has been done. But it's very much something instigated on McLaren's side and something that Ricardo's gone along with because ultimately he knows that this hasn't worked out how he wants. He needs to get he needs to to, to get his form back. He needs to 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 undo the damage of this this stint at McLaren. And I think he knows that it's just not really going to do him any good whatsoever, apart from to his bank balance, to drive around being smashed by Lando Norris for a third year. And now, thanks to this resolution, he can still top up his bank balance while potentially uh, reviving his F1 career somewhere else. And we should say, this is McLaren respecting the contract. Yes, he's not driving for the team next year, but they've accepted his position and they've made sure there was an agreeable termination put together, which is as it should be. That's fair on both sides. You really can't blame McLaren for this. We'll get into the reasons for why it's not worked and what the future may hold for Ricardo in a bit. But you can see why McLaren had to make this decision because it wasn't going anywhere. Probably better for Ricardo as well. Yeah, I think so. Ultimately, there is no there is no benefit to to them just going through the motions again for another for another year. That that is what they'd be doing and it's almost like this year it felt they got into keep going and hope it works out territory which is a really bad place to be and if you, if, if something's not working the way it should you need to be able to identify where the problems are and, and, and try and find solutions and it just feels like it's got to a point where Ricardo turns up and he either starts the weekend on a relatively strong footing and spends the weekend a tenth or two off of Lando and does quite well or you know he's a he's a chunk away and he chips away a little bit and he's always pretty good in the races relative to, to Lando but nowhere in qualifying on these bad weekends and I I just don't see I don't see how that benefits Ricardo. It ruins another season for, for for McLaren because as it stands Ricardo is costing them a place in the championship. If Ricardo was doing a better job in percentage terms relative to Norris McLaren would be fourth in the championship. Ricardo, I think, has 25% of Norris's points this year, which is one of the worst records on the grid and is comfortably worse than than, than McLaren's immediate rival and obviously a, a great deal worse than, than, than the top teams and the top pairings. So it just doesn't benefit either party to continue in this vein. And unfortunately, as much as people would like to think, oh, Ricardo's owed that third year, maybe he could have got it together, maybe McLaren could have done more, maybe it, w- it would work you're just hoping that patterns aren't going to keep repeating themselves. But if nothing fundamentally changes, those patterns will repeat themselves. It would have been madness after a point for McLaren to persevere like this. So yeah, it was pretty ruthless, pretty brutal to decide to give up on Ricardo, which is effectively what they've done. But it's there's a logic to it. It's understandable. And it, as you said earlier, it's I don't think they've been unfair. Yeah, and also it's the reality of it. This is the absolute top end of elite sport it is brutal. Daniel Ricciardo got his opportunities because others didn't deliver and he was delivering and so he got those chances that got him into F1, that got him into a Red Bull drive, that got him other opportunities. So those rules have helped him for for many years and it's just not, not gone well. And to put it into context, Mark Hughes did a piece that ran on the race website today running through the historic data of the teammate pace comparison in qualifying this is comfortably Ricardo's worst season in average pace. 0.379% the difference between him and Norris. It was 0.274 last year. And aside from two seasons alongside Verstappen in 17 and 18, he's always been quicker than his teammates. So it shows just how out of kilter with the rest of his career this McLaren stint has been and how poor 
really it has been you know people will talk about it being unfair on ricardo and okay if you're a fan of danny ricardo of course you don't have to like it but you can understand why it's happened if you're looking at it dispassionately you just can't keep going with this thing this partnership that's just not working even though on paper it kind of should well, obviously, with Ricardo going, there is a space at McLaren. We all know Oscar Piastri is the driver that will be taking the seat, but it's not been announced. So why hasn't this happened? We all know it's happening. Why is he not confirmed? I think uh, I think it would be easy to think that there is an element of waiting to be 100% sure Piastri is their driver before doing this, because there has been this remarkable tug of war over Piastri and I don't know exactly where it is with it. Um, I've, I've, I've inquired with the FAA and, and no no response at the time of recording this podcast uh, whether or not the FAA Rec- Contract Recognitions Board has actually looked at the Alpine contract that they claim to have had for Piastri and, 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 and made a firm ruling either way. But the suggestion a couple of weeks ago was very much that Alpine actually never registered an F1 contract with, with Piastri and didn't have an active one. They had an option to do the deal and didn't do it. So McLaren got in there first, did the deal with Piastri in Hungary, I believe, which I also think is where Ricardo was informed of McLaren's intention for, for 2023 as well, and lodged that contract with the CRB immediately. So that then basically made, in the eyes of the FAA and this body that has the final say on such matters, it made Piastri a McLaren Formula 1 driver for 2023. Now, Alpine made a lot of strong noises about challenging this, whether they are actually going to the CRB, whether it becomes a, um, a sort of civil case in the UK High Court where they claim compensation rather than actually seek to make Piastri a driver or not. It may be that there is an element of McLaren wanting to make sure that everything's settled. And I would understand it if that's what people thought was entirely responsible here, but one of the factors that McLaren flagged up for this is that they wouldn't hint at whether or not there were any hurdles on confirming Piastri, but they very much wanted to make this about Ricardo. So the focus here was on Daniel leaving the, at the end of the year, the, the effort that went in on both sides to making it work, the lamenting the fact that it didn't work, and then it puts the attention on Ricardo tomorrow. He can say what he needs to say, what he wants to say. That's the focus. And then they move on from that after this weekend. So I don't feel like I'm potentially cursing us here. Maybe we'll be sat back here in 12 hours recording another podcast, Ed. But I don't feel like there's an imminent Piastri announcement. I don't feel like it's something that is going to be confirmed in the next day or two. But it could happen very, very quickly. So whether that is over the spa weekend or afterwards, that feels a little bit more likely at this stage. Yeah, it certainly made sense that they needed to get something out there because it was well known that McLaren were dispensing with Ricardo's services. He'll be at Spa on Thursday. He'll have to talk to the likes of us. So really, they had to do something official about it. I think what we can take from it is that McLaren wouldn't have announced this if there was any serious doubt about having Piastri. They'll have Piastri next year. There just may be a few little I's to dot and T's to cross to make sure everything's as it should be. He's made it very, very clear he's not going to drive for Alpine. I think Alpine have given up any hope of him ever driving for them, certainly in the uh, in the next few years, given uh, given what's happened. So that probably explains that side of things. And I'm sure Piastri will be keeping out of the way 
uh, in the Spa weekend, <laughs> if indeed he's there for uh, for Alpine as their reserve driver. But yeah, just one of those situations that had to be tidied up. It'll be interesting to see what Ricardo has to say about it. Of course, he short- released a short video. It's been presented as very amicable on both sides. And as far as we understand, it has been in that they both worked hard to make it work, as we were saying, and it's just not worked. So again, this does seem like the the definitive amicable split, as amicable as it can be when probably one side doesn't really want to be flicked. I feel like there's um, a great deal less animosity between the two sides here than there will be between the guy who's taking Ricardo's seat and the team he's trying to get out of. So Piastri and Alpine, I can imagine. I can imagine that was a tense August. Um, and there are some suggestions that he will be held to, you know, things like his FP1 duties and, and, and that kind of thing for this year. I don't know if it will... If I were Alpine, I wouldn't want him anywhere near the team for the rest of the year. And I'm not saying that to be passive-aggressive towards Oscar. I don't think he should be vilified in, in, in all of this. I may have said this on a past podcast, but um, I don't believe that there's an element of loyalty here where where he has behaved particularly maliciously or, or, or wrongly. He is trusting his his management and, and, his, and, his, and his guides. But there will ha- there has to be an element of awkwardness around that. I so I just simply wouldn't want him in in the team or really in the organisation. I'd be putting in um, Jack Doohan for the DFP FP one outings. Why, why would you Why would you waste that time and effort on someone who's going somewhere else for for next year? Keep him at arm's length. I mean, if you have to honour a contract of some kind and do stuff, then then do it. But I guess you're going to want the bare minimum there. Whereas Ricardo and McLaren, when they say we want to push on to the last race and try and end on as much of a strong note as possible. I, I do believe that because I said this before when we talked about this. Um, I never ever got the impression that Ricardo felt undermined by McLaren and I never got the impression that McLaren were willingly throwing Ricardo under the bus. There was an earnestness on both sides to, to make this work and they did work hard to do that. They did feel that the other party was putting all that in and on their bad days, I think that came through. That like they're, the way they talked about one another and the way their body language was. Yeah, there was some frustration. And on Ricardo's side, there was an awful lot of confusion at times. It never felt like either of them had just sort of thrown their hands up in the air and felt that the other was um, stitching them up. And I know McLaren are very, very grateful for the, for the work ethic that Ricardo had and the conduct off track and the way he lifted the team during the the weaker moments and the strength of the character he showed. I think there is a sincere gratitude towards Ricardo there and a sincere belief that he has elevated the team and, and made it a, a stronger team overall. And likewise, on Ricardo's side, I don't believe that he feels like McLaren gave him anything other than a fair crack at it. I don't, I mean, in his heart of hearts, maybe he thinks that that car's better suited to Lando and that he, that's Lando's team and he maybe got like a tiny bit less than Lando did in terms of affection and effort. But to all intents and purposes, I think Ricardo knows that he was given a fair, fair crack at it from McLaren. It just for whatever reason didn't line up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, let's delve a bit more into the detail of exactly why 
it didn't work. The performances and results for Ricardo McLaren do speak for themselves, apart from that famous day at Monza. So why did this go so badly wrong? What couldn't Ricardo do for McLaren and what couldn't McLaren do for Ricardo? That's the main question, is it? I think if I had the answer, I'd have been employed by McLaren a while ago and I would have, uh, I would have think we'd be here discussing this podcast because I think it would have worked out. I think, I think they were able to boil down what wasn't working in terms of Ricardo's natural driving style, how he wanted to, to drive a car, what was coded, coded into him in terms of his steering input and how he had, how he used the brake and, that mid, that entry to mid corner and the rotation of the rear was absolutely key, and there there was clearly a there was clearly an incompatibility with Ricardo and the twenty twenty one McLaren in this regard. And Ricardo made some progress in tuning himself more to the McLaren, but not enough progress to be on Norris's level. And then that process, I think, has started again in twenty twenty two, with a completely different rule set probably some elements of car design that have carried over that still induce these traits that aren't necessarily conducive to the way Ricardo wants to drive, at least not to, to then get the pace out of the car. But it also wasn't natural for Norris. Norris had to re, redefine his driving a, a little bit and did that very successfully. But Ricardo hasn't been able to do that. Um, and I think we're looking at similar problems across 21 and 22 but maybe caused by different things. It felt like, anyway, the 21 issue was more about McLaren characteristics, whereas you've said for a while across a range of drivers when we talked about this that there is also just an inherent, or potentially an inherent 2022 generation characteristic that just hasn't helped Ricardo either. Yeah, that was always the worry coming into the year. The, the positive take on it was that new car, fresh start, Ricardo's done all this work and he did work incredibly hard to try and troubleshoot his driving style and work on his technical side. But there was always that fear that 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 we might actually be this generic problem with the cars. And I think that slightly weaker front end, particularly into the slower corners, which means you have to work the, co- the car quite hard on, on corner entry. Obviously, the, as you alluded to, the big problem where he's really, really struggled has been the, the, the combination aspects of the, of the corner entries when you're braking and turning. He's just under-rotated. Often that leaves him losing time at the exit of the corner. A really great example last year, if you compare the onboards, was turn four in Austria, where you could just see how much time Norris was taking out of, of Ricardo. It was a real, real struggle for Ricardo there. And he was being coached all the way through by Tom Stallard, his race engineer, who also has worked really, really hard. I've watched so many hours of onboards of Ricardo over the past 18 months. They've almost always been working at it, trying to dial into this. And, and yeah, it's just always been manifestations of the same sort of problem with a driver who's just not able to drive remotely naturally. Well, the, I remember watching... He, all, all of his Friday practice and qualifying, uh, Friday practice, Saturday practice and qualifying at Barcelona in 21 through, through his onboard, listening to him and his, his race engineer. And that was, that was the first, that was the first time certainly I heard, heard the detail with which they were going into to try and break it down to basics. And I remember speaking to Ricardo afterwards and asking him about this and him basically admitting that it's a, um, I don't know if he used the word, but effectively, you know, like willing to be, to go down that slightly embarrassing route of being taught how to drive again. Cause that's effectively what it was. He felt like a rookie in terms of what he was asking for and what he was being told, um, over the radio. Like, I don't think there is ever 
I don't, I don't think I've ever heard drivers being given such explicit information about brake traces and brake shapes in particular, where they're basically telling him, and that, that you know, this isn't a verbatim example, but normally you get, you, you might get, you might hear the odd message that's along the lines of just like, oh, a bit more shape through turn X. But Ricardo is being told, brake later here, turn more aggressive here. You need more. You need a sharper V. You you know really break like like the sort of things. And I don't say this to be disrespectful. I'm just trying because I it's the opposite. I have so much respect that Ricardo was actually willing to go through this process because it showed from the very very early stage he he recognised it was a problem on his side that he and and he had a huge part to play in trying to get on top of it. So I say this with total respect. It reminded me of when I had some coaching in 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 cars uh, a few years ago in terms of what you're then looking at on the data and then what you're being told and then you go and try and put it into practice it doesn't quite work you come back you get to oh yeah this was slightly better but you need to do this differently it, it i i have never heard an f1 driver get live coached so and i'm sure it does and i'm sure that is broadly what would take place in engineering sessions i mean maybe to a slightly lesser degree a lot of the time but it felt like the, the McLaren Ricardo attitude was: we need to maximise this as much as possible. Every run needs to be educational. Are you up for having live coaching? So rather than waste time, come back in, discuss it, blah blah blah. We just give you that feedback as you go. And Ricardo embraced that from a really early point last year, which showed the commitment that he was willing to make to it and how much he tried. But it also showed the extent of the problem that he needed to do so much, basically hard rewiring of his brain to try and, and match himself more to the car. And it didn't quite work or didn't work often enough in 2021. And then maybe for slightly different reasons, but effectively to the same effect, we've now seen it manifest itself again this year, but to arguably an even worse degree. Yeah, and when push comes to shove, people will say, oh, McLaren should have given him what he needed in the car to be able to drive. But it's never that. People act as if setup is some kind of magic bullet, but it isn't. You can't just create the the conditions that make things work just like that. There are limitations. The driver manipulates the car. And I think the really important thing is that what separates, or one of the key factors that separates the the legends from the brilliantly good from the very good etc is that adaptability and how broad a range of circumstances they're good across and ricardo's been good across a pretty broad range before the last couple of years because he's always been strong but this has just fallen outside of his uh, outside of his window and mclaren have have tried but you have to look at this i mean from my perspective it is a failure of the driver to adapt yeah mclaren had a stake in it certainly it's a peculiar car. Ricardo did use that word last year. We know Carlos Sainz has said it's strange. Norris has, has said the same. So there's a great body of evidence to say that it that it is weird to adapt to. But what Ricardo hasn't been able to do is adapt to it, and that's at the heart of the problem. And you can say, oh, that's just unfair on him. But you know that that's the driver's job to adapt to the car across a wide range of different conditions. It's ultimately that comparison with Norris that is the is the death knell for for Ricardo and any argument that he has been treated unfairly because Ricardo was signed he was you know he was the big name the big money signing to lead the team and to be the guy that Norris could learn from and try and aspire to match and then hopefully try and beat and McLaren certainly are not paying for him to be a driver who's not even a good enough number two because 
that is what has been the biggest shock for me with Ricardo this year is where he was last year was not great but it was a, it was a source it was almost like if the roles had been reversed last year you'd have been like actually yeah I mean maybe Norris could be a bit closer but that's okay like that's that's acceptable for a sort of one and a one and a half driver you don't really want a one and a number two but Ricardo's not even there this year like I said earlier like the 25 percent thing with with what he's scored relative to Norris. He's he's nowhere near the driver McLaren need him to be. He's even further from the driver McLaren are paying him to be. So it got to a point where they, it's just totally, totally unsustainable and it's looked that way for, for a while now. So what Norris is doing is showing that, yes, those that car has limitations. Yeah, McLaren are underperforming to a degree. But the amount that McLaren is underperforming versus its own expectations and what Ricardo would have expected from McLaren is nowhere near the amount that Ricardo is underperforming relative to his and McLaren's own expectations of him. And that's the thing. If if he was if he was matching Norris half a tenth of Norris consistently, like it would not be that big a deal. We would just be shrugging and saying, "Well, it looks like Norris is genuinely a mega." That just looks how, like how it is. But the blunt reply from McLaren, mainly Zach Brown, who I think is the courser of the the McLaren leadership pairing alongside Andreas Seidel, who usually is very protective of Ricardo. Zach said when we when I when I was on a on a call with him earlier today that basically he said it doesn't matter if Norris is a megastar because they need two drivers that can get there because McLe- uh, Mercedes have that, for example, Ferrari have that. At times this year, Red Bull have had that, not for a few races. So McLaren's point is, it kind of doesn't matter if one of your guys is an absolute megastar. The other guy should be getting closer than Ricardo's getting. That's basically the point. Plus also, it's not just a pure performance thing. As I said, from watching the onboards, you can see Ricardo is, tentative's not quite the word, but it feels very disjointed. He's a driver when he's at his best those corner entry phases, the way he manipulates the weight, the way he attacks, it's all like beautifully joined up. But it's just not, and it's not been in the, in the McLaren period. So that just shows how he's just failing to, to, to deliver and put everything together. And yeah, as we've said, there's no reason to expect that to change. It's gone past the point where you can expect him to, to solve the conundrum. So time to go somewhere else. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
We're on our way to Spa right now. So, well, we're in a hotel actually at the moment. I don't want to give the impression that I'm driving and podcasting. That would be very reckless. But we'll be able to speak to Daniel Ricardo tomorrow to find out what he thinks about things. But the big question is, of course, what's next? To my mind, a move to the vacant spot at Alpine seems the obvious move for both team and driver. Yeah. Um, one of the big questions was what Ricardo would want to do. And that, I don't mean that in terms of which team, but does he want to stay in F1? Or does which he, he does. And he does. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the big answer. So that's, that, that's crucial. That, that, that settles, uh, a pretty key uncertainty because I felt like that was the big question mark over whether the Alpine deal would be possible. I kind of felt like he needed to be keen to... to uh, Alpine will, might be lose, fighting a bit of a losing battle to convince Ricardo anyway to go back there. If he doesn't want to stay in F1 anyway, then did Alpine really have a chance? And he could have walked away from F1 with his head held high, yeah, two bad years with McLaren, but there's still a hell of a lot of credit in the bank. He's had a really, really good F1 career, so that would have been an option. And he still won a race with with McLaren, so he could still walk away saying, look, okay, it didn't work out, but on on my day of days where I felt I had the car underneath me, and that weekend he was competitive, he was barely slower than Norris in qualifying, he, um, good race craft at the start of the sprint and the Grand Prix is what propelled him into the position to lead the Grand Prix and then he was absolutely flawless after that so he did a very good job and so he would have said to himself look this 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 is the it's the exception that proves the rule uh the the McLaren stint didn't work but I am still a great driver and I proved it there when I had everything I needed okay it's frustrating and I surprised myself that I didn't have it in me to to make it work at McLaren I couldn't that's the kind of car I clearly can't drive so what I'm not perfect as a general rule, I've done very well. But he wants to continue. He say, keeps saying that he has this hunger, he's got that fire in his belly. And I and so I put it to you, Daniel Ricardo, if you're listening to this podcast, don't go for the easy route with Alpine. Because the more I think about it, the more I think it would be quite fun to see him take a punt on someone like Williams. And now competitively, I know that's a stupid decision to make. I mean no disrespect to Williams. But if you have the choice between those two cars, you pick Alpine. You, you just do. For the next year, two years at the very least, the Alpine is going to be a quicker car than the Williams. I, d- I don't doubt that at all. But the argument I would make for going to Williams is just two. The first is, if you're that hungry and you want to show that you're hungry and you're not just going to go somewhere to pick up a bit of cash, take something comfortable and easy, you know, known surroundings, that kind of thing, don't, don't go... Don't go to the team that you didn't really have faith in a couple of years ago to be anything more than a midfield team. Throw yourself into a, a proper project because a Willi- the Williams thing is a it is an interesting project. I, I do have doubts that they can be anything more than a lower midfield team sniping for for points. But it is it's a fantastic organization, amazing history. If he imagine what it would be like, just if it worked and Ricardo's around for five more years and he leads Williams into being sort of podium contender that kind of thing and gets them above an Alpine or a McLaren in the championship that'd be a pretty amazing feeling amazing project to be part of so I think there's a fun element there a challenge that kind of thing the second thing is a lot more simple and it's just move forward don't don't go back because it's, it is a bit different because there's such a gulf in the competitiveness but Williams is something new it's something different Alpine, you were there before when it was Renault. You smashed Esteban Ocon before. Ocon is, a, I think Ocon's a very good driver, but he's not considered a great driver by a lot of people. 
he's got his feet under the table there now and he's improving. Ricardo had him on toast basically a couple of years ago. If he goes back there and he gets beaten by Ocon or he doesn't smash Ocon, then whatever's left of his reputation after being beaten by Norris for two years goes. He talked about that credit he's built up. But if he goes there and loses to Ocon, I think he I, I don't think there's any that don't think I think that's the worst case scenario for him is if he goes because going to Alpine makes total sense from a competitive point of view, but he has to go there and be the number one. Thing as much as I like the idea of Daniel Ricciardo, twenty twenty seven world champion for Williams, and that'd be great fun. Well, you didn't quite go that far, but that's how I choose to interpret it. I do think there's another dimension to the Alpine return that I think can work for Ricardo, and he's had these difficult two years. But at Alpine, it's a team he knows. There'll be a lot of the same people there. It's worked there for him before. They'll know how to get the best out of each other, and I think that could be quite a useful counterpoint to what he's had at McLaren, and it will also allow him to answer some of the questions that I imagine are going around in his mind. Danny Ricardo thinks about Danny Ricardo's driving a lot more than I do. But in my mind, the thing I'm asking is, right, is this fundamentally a Daniel Ricardo problem or was this a McLaren problem? And I'd want the answer to that if I was Daniel, Daniel Ricardo. I want the answer to that just sitting here as Ed Straw talking on a podcast. So I think Alpine offers that best comparison. He could go to Williams. There could be some strangeness about the car and you won't necessarily know. But Alpine is the one that gives him the most lock, most similar conditions to where he went really well before. I see a lot of people saying that that the Renault years were bad for him, but that's just nonsense. Okay, yeah, the results weren't stunning, but he performed really, really well, particularly once he'd gone through that initial adaptation phase. So I think it can make a lot of sense from that perspective. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. Like I said, it is the it's the right decision. Out, going to Alpine is the right decision competitively for the reasons you mentioned as well. That There is so much to gain there. There is as much of an upside, probably a bigger upside to to, to Alpine than, than Williams, and there is not as an uh, aggressive uh, uh, a downside to, to 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 Alpine in terms of the like what you would get as a competitive package. Certainly, it's just that element of I I, I don't know, there's just I can't shake that sort of feeling of per- partly because I just think it would be fun to see. I would just like to see him somewhere new, somewhere where he can try and influence something. I think him and Alex Albon could be quite an interesting pairing. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, I think that could be quite a good dynamic in terms of bringing the best out of each other as well. And I do think there is untapped potential at Williams that a driver like, like I absolutely all respect to Alex Albon, who I think is doing a fantastic job this year and is showing the driver that he could be in Formula One when he was at Toro Rosso. I think we're now seeing that more again at Williams and I think another year for him at Williams next year could evolve into that. But Alex Albon is your lead driver, is your franchise driver when you're trying to build up an organisation to be the best. I don't think works as well as a Ricardo type. So it would be huge for Williams as much as anything else. It is a decision that 99 times out of 100, faced with it myself, I would pick Alpine. And if I'm Ricardo, I'm picking Alpine. But as someone who doesn't have to live with the consequences of it going wrong, I would just dearly love him to take the punt. Because I just think, because put it this way, Alpine is the sensible and right decision. Haas is not on the table at all. I'm, I'm not going there at all if I'm, if I'm Ricardo. Williams is somewhere in between. And I think it's just enough on the right side, on the, the right side of legitimate as an option 
that I can't, I just can't quite shake it. I don't think it will happen, but I would just, it would just be really fun if it did. Yeah, because for Williams, but I just think from Alpine's perspective also, it's a necessary move because there's not that many options. They'll want an experienced driver. Yeah, Piastri, they try to confirm, is a rookie, but he's embedded in the team, so he's the guy they've been developing. So they'll want a driver who potentially can be the team leader. And Ricardo's the only driver I can see who's available who offers that potential upside. Yeah, he's damaged goods as an F1 driver 100%. So there will be questions to answer, and he'll be really closely scrutinised in the first part of, of next season if he is there. But he's the one that offers the potential rewards for Alpine because all the other options are available. You know, you mix Schumacher's people like that. There's plenty of competent enough Grand Prix drivers, but no one who can reach the heights that Daniel Ricciardo has proven he can get to. So, yeah, interesting to see exactly how that one pans out. But, yeah, if I was Alpine, I'd be doing my best to get Ricciardo. But Pachos Capito should be tearing up Daniel Ricciardo's fine. I think the other the other argument I would make, or just point I would make, which I said this to someone a race or two before the summer break, um, it's not impossible for Williams to get him if the terms of that McLaren severance is we'll pay you whatever you're missing from your because Williams could get Ricardo on an absolute cut price deal for 23 and with the investment that they've got and, and with the ambition that they have if you're looking at it and saying okay you know if we had to pay this guy 12 15 million a year for the next 2 years we can't afford to do that but if we only have to pay him 5 million for the first year or 7 million for the first year and then we find the 12 or 15 for the second year then actually on balance you're getting a driver like Daniel Ricciardo for on average 9 10 million a year if you're Williams I think you've got to put your money where your mouth is and show that you you're serious and it, and it just becomes a bit more of a realistic option I I would uh, if I'm Capito I I yeah I have to be considering that and like making the biggest pitch possible to to my investors and, and my board and saying look He's there, he's available. If we're a serious organisation, we have to throw everything at getting him. Because if you are a serious F1 team and a guy like Daniel Ricciardo is on the market, damaged goods or not, you have to do everything you can to get him. Yeah, 100%. I think whatever happens, hopefully he'll be on the grid next year. He clearly wants to be. I think he will be. There's not that many good alternatives out there. The teams who don't have drivers confirmed don't have a vast number of options. Ricardo is the one who's at the top of the pile. So I hope you find somewhere that works for him. And yeah, if you're a team, you'll be very aware of the, the financial situation he's in with a termination from McLaren. And I'd be certainly looking to get a very good value deal on him because that could really, really pay off. Well, thanks very much, Scott, for your insight. Head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen because there's loads to read about the Ricardo situation there. And of course, the Formula One season's getting back going at Spa this weekend. Check out our YouTube channel as well. Loads to watch there. And also some of our sister podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, which tells classic F1 stories. We're now turning our attention to the Belgian Grand Prix weekend. I'm sure there'll be lots more driver market chat coming out of the weekend. So stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of F1. The Athletic.